Attention Idaho and California residents. If you're shopping for a mortgage, contact PacFi, a mortgage brokerage with the top wholesale lenders in the nation. They are committed to simplifying the mortgage process, saving you time and money. Call 858-442-7048 or visit pacfi.com. NMLS number 1462943, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to the Alcohol Tipping Point Podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Maisner, registered nurse, health coach, and badass. Oh, I should say alcohol-free badass, but you know, badass. <laughs> Today on the show is a special guest, Kristen Candelore. I want to thank you for coming on, Kristen. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Now, where are you calling from? I am calling from um, right outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, a little town called Concha Hopkin. East side. Okay. East coast you're yes. representing. That's great. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Just a background. Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously, as you said, my name's Kristen. Um, I am born and raised in Pennsylvania. I've lived in the suburbs of Philadelphia most of my life. Um, I am nine months over today, so I'm excited to, to share that. Congratulations. Um, and I, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I have a one and a half year old daughter and, um, obviously with that timing, she was born during the pandemic. So I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but I work in the hospitality industry, um, which I, pretty much always have. I studied hospitality management in school and found my way into a career um, in that industry, which I know not a lot of people actually do. So um, I've always worked in restaurants. Um, Most recently, I transitioned into working um, in HR for a restaurant group that I've worked for for about six years now. So um, that was a big transition, you know, having a baby during the pandemic. I was working, you know, prior to getting pregnant in operations. So I was traveling anywhere between five and seven days a week um, all over. So I was going mostly along the East Coast to, you know, Chicago, Miami, Vegas, all over. Um, so, you know, having a baby, transitioning from traveling constantly to working from home and having a newborn um, was uh, a big transition. <laughs> so that's kind of where I am now. Like I said, nine months into my alcohol-free journey and getting settled into, you know, my new normal. Yeah. So what was your experience with drinking? Oh boy. So I would say, you know, when I was younger, I would describe my experience with drinking. And when I say younger, I mean like, you know, teenage years, 16, 17, Um, I would say it was pretty normal. I mean, I grew up knowing that I had um, alcoholism in my family, but nothing that ever directly affected my life. I had a really normal, great childhood, awesome parents, um, you know, a lot of support growing up. And I started drinking when everybody else started drinking in high school. Like we were going to parties and, you know, I experimented with drinking when I was, you know, around 16 years old. 
Um, and you know, at the time it just felt normal. Like that's what everybody was doing. So that's what I did. Um, but even now, you know, thinking back to my early drinking days, like I can even remember experiencing blackouts in my teenage years, which, you know, I don't really think that's normal. So that's something that, you know, now in sobriety that I've, I've thought a lot about. Um, and then I would say, you know, going into college and my early twenties is when I sort of knew that I had a problem with, with alcohol. Um, I would consider myself pretty type A. I'm a very controlling person. Um, I am a pretty self-aware person, um, sometimes to, to a fault, but I just always kind of knew deep down, like what I was doing wasn't normal. I was always like the person who was down to go out if you wanted to go out. Um, you know, I would get wine and drink wine at home, you know, by myself, which, you know, isn't normal. And I just, you know, I thought about drinking a lot. You know, I wasn't somebody that, you know, in my early twenties was drinking every single day, but I thought about it a lot. And then as my career progressed, um, you know, the restaurant industry is definitely something that supports drinking and not to a fault. It's just what it, it just is what it is. Um, but you know, going out for drinks after work and when you're working in that industry, your schedule is sort of not normal. You know, I would have off during the week, um, versus on the weekend. So that kind of gave me an excuse to drink, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and then the weekend would come around and I'd be working, but it was the weekend. So, you know, I would drink anyway. Um, and then I started traveling and I would say that's when I really started to realize this is, becoming a problem um I always kept it under control you know I wasn't like drinking and going to work or anything like that but I was traveling alone and um found myself you know ending most work days either in a hotel room with a bottle of wine or at a restaurant with a bottle of wine um and it just became a really bad habit um so that's the first time that I started to think about not drinking anymore. Um, I started going to therapy. I started talking somewhat openly to a therapist about what my drinking habits looked like. I wouldn't say that I was completely honest about it, but you know, we started talking about it. She started making suggestions, you know, cut back on drinking, try moderation. Um, she definitely did suggest trying to stop altogether. Um, but ultimately I was never able to do that. And moderation was, exhausting. I mean, just, you know, I found myself constantly setting goals for myself. Like I'll only have X amount of drinks or I'll go home at this time, or I'm only going to drink this many times this week. And I was just never able to stick to it. Um, so it became a really, really bad, just kind of circle. You know, I was just doing the same thing every week. Um, going to therapy, I'd go a couple days here and there without drinking, but ultimately would just fall right back into it. Um, and then I unexpectedly found out that I was going to have a baby, which was the best surprise ever. You know, we weren't planning on it. We planned on waiting a couple more years, but, um, you know, my, I was married, my husband and I were, were thrilled. And ultimately I would say that my pregnancy put a bandaid on my drinking problem. I, um, I experienced a lot of happiness during my pregnancy. Like I have, you know, I've dealt with anxiety and depression in my past and, 
Um, sometimes they say when, when you go through pregnancy that, you know, people who have experienced depression sometimes experience the opposite during pregnancy. And, and that was definitely true for me. I felt great. I felt really, really happy. I had no anxiety. Um, drinking was no longer an option. You know, I, I, I know that some people do struggle with drinking throughout their pregnancies, but for me, um, I was able to stop as soon as I found out I was pregnant. Um, so those nine months were, were great. And I remember saying like, I can't imagine going back to drinking. Like, you know, my anxiety has gone. I feel, you know, I have more energy. I feel happier. Um, but after my daughter was born, um, it didn't take long for me to kind of go right back into my old habits. Um, and I think, you know, a part of my story obviously was, you know, my daughter was born in February, 2020. So, um, wow. it really was right before everything, you know, shut down and she was born seven weeks early. So, you know, she spent a month in the NICU, which obviously was, was very challenging. Um, and, you know, I think that there's, there's just a lot of things that, that happened that I could kind of blame my, my habits on when I did start drinking again, like, you know, it's a pandemic, I have a newborn and all of these things, but, you know, ultimately looking back on my past, I always knew that there was a problem there. Um, so it definitely took, I would say a few little rock bottoms, you know, I never got in legal trouble. I never hurt anybody. I never hurt myself. Um, but my life was just deteriorating. Um, and you know, something that I've learned in sobriety is that, you know, somebody who struggles with alcoholism, you know, it really does, it grows. Right. So, you know, I was drinking, you know, at the end of every day, you know, we were getting wine delivered when everything was closed and that's sort of how, how I started drinking again after my pregnancy. And then, you know, a bottle turned into two. Um, my husband and I moved, a lot of things were happening. I was working from home. Um, he works in the medical field, so he was going into work every day. Um, and that's when I would say a pretty serious postpartum depression really set in for me. Um, and the thing about that is, you know, when, when you're in it, you, you really don't, you can't recognize it. And when I look at my behavior now, it's hard to imagine how I didn't see what was happening to me. Um, but, you know, even aside from the drinking, you know, I was not exercising. There were days where, you know, even brushing my teeth felt like just too big a task. Um, so I was really suffering and I really, I would say the postpartum depression is what brought out um, what I feared my drinking could always be, if that makes sense. Um, you know, in all of those years where I knew deep down I had a problem, but never let it get to, you know, quote unquote, alcoholic behavior. Like I wasn't drinking during the day. I wasn't going to work drunk. I was never doing any of those things. And then after I had my daughter, um, going through that postpartum depression, it just, it brought out the absolute worst, you know, a couple of drinks a day turned into more and more. Um, and it, it really just spiraled and it spiraled, quickly for me I mean you hear about people who struggle for years and years so hindsight being 2020 I'm you know in a sense thankful for for the postpartum experience because I've 
I've learned so much from it, but you know, it did take a couple of really difficult situations for, for me to say enough is enough. And, you know, I need to change my life. Um, and I also want to say that I, I didn't do that alone. Um, I would love to say that ultimately I woke up one morning and said, I'm going to stop drinking. Um, but it, it wasn't like that. You know, it's like my husband kind of saying like, this is enough is enough, you know, something has to change. So, um, yeah, that was, that was nine months ago that, that he said to me, we've got to make a change here. And, you know, I have a really supportive family. My husband has been amazing through this entire process. So, um, you know, he played a really big part in, in my decision to stop drinking and, and the fact that I've made it nine months. Um, you know, I have a lot of support. So yep. that was yeah. a very long winded answer, but that's, <laughs> that's where I am now. Well, congratulations on nine months sober. Um, I, I mean, I can uh, I can't imagine having a baby during the pandemic. My kids are twelve and fifteen, and okay. just and I also had postpartum depression as well. Okay. Um. Obviously, I was a heavy drinker too. Um. Sure. So, can you talk a little bit more about what postpartum depression looked like for you? when mm-hmm. it started and, and what you did to help with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've read a lot about it now, you know, now that I've gotten through it. Uh, and I've, I've learned a lot. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions about postpartum depression is that it really only presents in a way where, you know, you don't feel connected with your baby because, you know, obviously I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, those were the stories that I always heard about postpartum depression. Your baby is born and you don't feel a connection to them or, you know, you don't want to hold them or, you know, things like that. And I never felt like that. I wanted to be with my daughter every single second. Um, you know, she was in the NICU, so I wasn't able to do that to ensure that that, you know, that played a part. Um, I wasn't able to take her home right away. We were there for a month. So, that was really difficult, but I never experienced a feeling of not being bonded with her. So I think in the beginning of my postpartum depression, I, you know, I, I had experienced depression before, so I knew what that felt like. And I sort of kept talking myself into like, this can't be postpartum depression because I'm obsessed with my baby. Like I want to be with her all the time. So, you know, it can't be that it has to be something else. Um, and as it progressed, I would say that, you know, the biggest change was just the change in my daily behaviors. I mean, first of all, I can recall a day, you know, after a night of drinking where, you know, it was like a light bulb went on in my head. I woke up, I was hungover, I was feeling terrible, you know, that circle of anxiety, wondering what I had done the night before, feeling physically sick. And I just thought, you know, I could have a drink right now and I would feel better. And, you know, my anxiety would go away. My headache would probably go away. Um, and, and then that was it. Like that, that sort of became a new way of life for me and I wouldn't recommend it. It was terrible. I mean, it was, you know, getting through the day, drinking, waking up, feeling like absolute garbage. I mean, I I can't think of another way to describe it. Just, just crippled with anxiety and just thinking to myself, what am I doing? You know, how am I going to get out of this? 
But ultimately, the only thing that made me feel better, feel normal again, was another drink. Um, so the depression, you know, brought that out. And then I changed so much. I mean, you know, I wasn't prioritizing my work. And I've always been somebody who's very career-driven. Um, you know, thankfully, I had a lot of help with my daughter at the time. Um so, you know, I had a lot of support there, which I could go on for days about, you know, how thankful I am for that. Um, but as I said earlier, like, you know, brushing my teeth, getting in the shower, just like little things like that were so, so exhausting to me. And that's just not normal. Um, so once I started to, you know, I... I was just stuck and wanting to get out of this cycle. I wanted to stop drinking so badly because even though I did at a certain point realize that I was suffering from postpartum depression, I knew that no matter what, the first step that I needed to take was eliminating alcohol. You know, as soon as I saw a therapist or a psychiatrist, you know, if I got honest with them about how much I was drinking, that's the first thing that they're going to tell me. And I knew that. So, um, and there were months where, I was seeing a psychiatrist and I was just living in such deep denial. You know, I would get on phone calls with her and I would say, I'm feeling better. You know, things are, things are improving and, you know, I'm on medication and medication seems to be working. Um, but deep down I was not, I was not telling the truth. I was just, okay, I have, I have an appointment with my psychiatrist today. I have to get on with her. I have to talk to her. Um, and I have to get rid of her, <laughs> um, which I feel terrible saying now because she has helped me so much. But, um, you know, in those first few months, I just, I wasn't ready to, to really face it. Um, and it did take, you know, a, a defining moment for, for my husband to say to me, like, something needs to change. You need to get help. Um, in the few months before my daughter's first birthday is when I was struggling the most. Um, and when I say struggling the most, I mean just... Uh, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get it under control at all. I was drinking every single day. Um, and the week leading up to her birthday, I had stopped drinking for a few days. My husband asked me, like, please, you know, don't drink for her first birthday. You know, I want you there. I want you present. Um, and ultimately, I was not able to stay sober for her first birthday, which is, I regret that I will carry with me for a long time. Um, and the morning after her birthday was the same cycle, you know, waking up thinking I, I missed my daughter's first birthday. You know, I was there physically, but I was not there mentally. You know, I made a fool of myself. I broke a promise to my husband who, you know, has just been by my side this entire time. Um, and I tried to hide it, you know, when I was really deep in active addiction towards the end, I was lying constantly um, so that next day, same thing, you know, I have to get rid of this feeling. I want to forget what I did the day before. Um, so I'm going to drink again. Um, and it was on that day where I, you know, I, it was so clear that I had been drinking. Um, you know, he was asking me if I had been drinking, I was saying, no, you know, I, I think about that day now and I don't even know who that person was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it wasn't me, but, um, so, you know, that day he, he had said, you, we need to figure something out. Um, so that's when I brought in, you know, close family, told them what I had been going through um, and that, you know, I needed to stop drinking and that I, I needed some help. Um, and I, I didn't go to treatment um, 
which is a part of my story that I, I do like to share because ultimately looking back, um, I think that I definitely should have. Um, as I know, you know, you know, detoxing from alcohol is mm-hmm. the most dangerous substance to, to sell cold turkey. Um, and those were a few of the most difficult days of my life. I mean, they were very physically taxing, emotionally very heavy. Um, and, you know, although I did get through it and I've stayed sober since, um, I think that, you know, going to treatment could have made those days a little bit more bearable um, and safer because I frankly was scared, <laughs> you know, just not sleeping and thinking about what was happening to my body and, um, you know, just being really, really afraid. So I think that's an important message to, to be open about that, you know, that was probably a mistake to not, to not go to treatment, but, you know, I think I had been hiding so much of my struggle that a lot of the people close to me didn't really realize how bad it actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have anybody pushing me like you need to go to, you know, you need to go to rehab or you need professional help. It was just, you know, stay close to family, take in all the support that, you know, I had. And, and from there, you know, started slowly telling more people and, and now, you know, obviously trying to share my story in as many ways as I can, because I think back to those days where I really was struggling and, you know, had I been scrolling Instagram in bed one night and saw a new mom who, you know, had struggled with postpartum or struggled with drinking, you know, I would have reached out and said, this, you know, this is happening to me. Like, how did you, how did you get out of it? Um, so I just want people to know that, as bad as it seems while you're in it, there, there is a way out and, you know, you're not definitely not alone because I know that it feels like you really are because I felt insanely alone, even though I was surrounded by, by family every day, I felt, you know, completely by myself. So. Yeah. It's such a common thing that you hear that mm-hmm. people who are struggling with drinking or addiction is that feeling that you, you're the only one. It seems that mm-hmm. way, um, but it's really not true. Yeah. So you went more or less cold turkey. Um, what what was that like? And then how how were you successful? So I mean, as I mentioned, the first few days were very very mm-hmm. difficult. Um, you know, physically, I felt very unwell you know I wasn't sleeping I was definitely you know I experienced shaking I experienced a lot of nightmares um a lot of anxiety um you know the the first few days were extremely difficult and as much as I want to say like you know I went for runs or I started you know working out or eating really healthy that is not the truth um in the first couple months actually I would say my number one focus next to taking care of my daughter was just not drinking. Um, I wanted to prioritize exercising because I know that that helps, but I couldn't do it. Um, I wanted to prioritize, you know, meal prepping, eating healthy because I knew that would help, but I couldn't do that either. All I could do was not drink. Um, And that took up a lot of energy because it was, it was new and it was scary and, I had never been successful doing it before. So, and I knew that this time I had a lot to lose. Like I had to make it work this time and I had never let it get so bad. And I didn't want to see what the future would look like if I started drinking again. And I still don't. 
Um, resource wise, you know, I the first thing I did was I logged into virtual AA meetings. Um, and really that's because at the time I didn't know of anything else. Um, I didn't know about a thousand hours dry. I didn't know about, you know, all of these amazing online alcohol free sober communities. I didn't know that those existed. So I started with AA, um, at the time there weren't any in-person meetings, so I was just doing them online. Um, and in those first few days, I would say it was extraordinarily helpful because I didn't know where else to go and I needed something, you know, I needed to know that there was somebody else who has experienced something similar to this. Um, but what I found initially in AA was that most of the people in those meetings had five years, 10 years, 30 years sober. And in my first few days of sobriety, that was very overwhelming to mm-hmm. me. I didn't feel like I could relate to somebody who hasn't had a drink in 30 years. Like I'm on three days <laughs> and I'm really struggling. So um, that's what brought me to, you know, I went on Instagram and I typed in hashtag sober and my eyes opened so wide when I saw, you know, everything that popped up, you know, just so many different resources, um, you know, quit lit and podcasts and all of these, you know, amazing sober pages that I follow now. Um, so I transitioned away from AA um, and started reaching out online, which has been just a godsend for me. I mean, you know, telling people, you know, I do, I do consider myself an alcoholic, um, but that's tough to say. So, you know, in the first few months when I started telling people that was something that was really difficult for me, um, I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with in early sobriety. You know, how am I going to tell people I'm not drinking? They're going to want to know why. They're going to want to know what happened. Um, and it's tricky. So getting involved in a thousand hours, um, and, you know, speaking on their Instagram page and having, you know, the flexibility to share my story little bits at a time, you know, I didn't necessarily have to jump in on day one and tell my whole life story. Um, so I got to know the community. I shared my story little bits at a time each week. Um, and I found that that really helped it helps me mentally just to unload it. You know, even if no one is watching these stories, mm-hmm. um, it helps to just say it out loud. And it also helped hold me accountable. Like the first wedding I went to sober, it already was easier because I knew that people there, you know, had seen me on Instagram and, and know that I don't drink. So I didn't have to worry about, you know, pretending to drink or are people going to ask me if I'm pregnant or, you know, all of these things that happen when you go to a wedding and don't drink. Um, so, so that was very, very helpful and, and still is. Um, fast forward a little further into sobriety. I was listening to sobriety podcasts constantly. I was reading all the quit lit. I also was reading the big book about Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I was just emerging myself in everything. Um, And along the way, I had heard somebody on a podcast say that, you know, if they went to a wedding and had a glass of champagne to toast a speech that, you know, they wouldn't consider that a relapse necessarily. Um, And for me, that was really eye-opening because it made me think about what would happen if I did that. You know, if I went to a wedding now, nine months sober, had a glass of champagne at a wedding for a toast, 
that would 100% be a relapse for me because I know that it wouldn't just be one glass and I play the tape forward and I think about what the rest of the night would look like, what the next day would feel like. Um, and I just knew that I needed something more. Um, and that's sort of what brought me back to AA. So after a couple months of not going, um, hearing that and thinking, I could never go into an AA meeting and say, you know, I'm thinking about maybe having one glass of wine. <laughs> um, no one in the rooms of AA are going to say, yeah, sure. You know, that's a good idea. Um, and I know now after years of struggling um, that, you know, I can't just have one drink. I can't moderate. Um, and just being 100% sober is, is the right path for me. Um, and I know that AA is a place that's going to hold me accountable to that. Um, so I have gotten more involved in AA, um, to be fully transparent. I, you know, I don't have a, a full-time sponsor. I haven't worked with steps. I haven't really done any of that. I'm going to meetings once a week is the goal. Um, and I'm trying to learn more about it and get more involved because I think that long-term, um, looking at, you know, hopefully one day when I can say I'm 30 years sober, um, I think AA will be a really good resource, but I am so thankful that there are so many other options because there's no right way to get sober. There's not one way to get sober. Um, and I think that's really important because, you know, LA is not for everybody and, you know, alcohol free lifestyle isn't for everybody and, you know, everybody has a different path. So I think you just have to find what's right for you. You know, you have to recognize what you need. And for me, that is sobriety. Um, and, and find, what's going to keep you sober and ultimately what's going to keep you happy because whether or not I'm quote unquote an alcoholic, my life has gotten tremendously better since removing alcohol. So why would I ever reintroduce it into my life? You know, no, nothing good comes of a glass of wine at dinner for me. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm the same, like for me, abstinence is so much easier. There's a saying that 99%'s a bitch and 100% yep. is bliss. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's like moderation right there. Um, I love that, yeah. So you found, you know, you found a, a place, a group that resonates with you. What would you recommend to anyone that's starting out? Or, you know, if there is a young mom listening to the podcast, mm -hmm. what would you say? Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, the first thing I would say is try your absolute best to get honest. When I look at those last few weeks of my drinking, I was lying so much. I was lying to my family. I was lying to my therapist. I was lying to myself. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get honest about what was happening. And of course I didn't fully understand what was happening to me at the time. Um, I was drunk most of the time. So how could I wrap my head fully around what I was experiencing? But as soon as I stopped lying, I just felt like this enormous weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. Like once I could finally sit down with my husband and say, this is what I've really been experiencing these last couple of months. All of those times that you suspected that I might be drinking or that I drank more than I said I did, you were right. And although those are such difficult conversations to have because, you know, you have to rehash the past. You have to look at the mistakes that you've made. You have to look at your loved one that you've hurt. I mean, for me, I caused a lot of 
worry and pain to people really close to me. Um, and, and that's something that I'm still working through nine months later. And I don't think that I'm, I'm close to putting that behind me yet. Um, you know, that's a work in progress, but you know, if you are out there and you're struggling, tell somebody just, and I say that it could be a complete stranger. That is the first thing that I did. I reached out to a complete stranger on Instagram one night while drinking, which I know happens a lot, you know, when you're drinking and you know you need help, that's when you get the courage to ask for help. Um, but that, that's what I did. I reached out to a complete stranger um, who was public about recovery and the next morning woke up, had a message back from him with a link to um, a treatment center, contact information for somebody that helped him get sober. And in that moment, I realized like there are resources out there. Like there are people who understand this and can help me. And that really changed everything for me. I didn't get sober the next day. Um, it took more time, but just, you know, saying out loud that I was struggling and I needed help to a complete stranger opened up the doors for me to think about a future in which I did address the problem and I did eventually get help. Um, and ultimately that is what happened. You know, it wasn't, pretty by any means it was a very messy road but you know it did get me there so I would say that that is the first thing and that it's one of the hardest things you know to tell somebody that you're struggling um, or to admit to yourself that you're struggling um but ultimately it's what's gonna it's what's gonna help you get better so that would be my advice yeah getting honest with yourself I I had um read something about gaslighting and and I was like I was mm-hmm. gaslighting myself <laughs> yeah. when I was drinking yeah. like seriously 100%. <laughs> uh, so th- that's a great one um is there anything you wish you would have known when you started out I mean I guess you kind of alluded to doing more of a recovery detox program would there yes. be anything else Yes. I think the other thing that I really wish I had known, and I've heard you talk about this on, on prior episodes, um, is that the pain and anxiety that I experienced trying to moderate, you know, every time I would go out thinking I'm only going to have this many drinks and never being able to stick to that and being consumed by thoughts of drinking, even when I wasn't drinking. So like, you know, Saturday night, if there was something happening Saturday night where I'd be drinking, I would wake up thinking about that event. Um, So while I was in active addiction, just constantly thinking about, you know, something related to alcohol or thinking about trying to moderate um, and not being able to. So for example, you know, setting a goal for myself to, to go out and only have three drinks and not being able to stick to that. And then the, the anxiety that that causes you and the sense of, you know, shame and failure um, I used to think like, well, if I remove alcohol altogether, then I'm just going to feel miserable all the time. Like, I'm just going to think about wanting to drink all the time if I can't ever drink. Um, and what I've learned since is that it is the complete opposite. Once you stop trying to moderate, mm-hmm. if, you know, if you've realized that you can't moderate, all of that stress goes away. I mean, it takes time of course. And there are still days that I think about drinking. It's not left me completely, but I just feel a sense of freedom now that I've never felt before. Now that I've, I've removed it completely. 
And I just never thought that it would be that way. I thought it would be a lot harder. And I don't say that, and I don't want to say that recovery isn't hard because it definitely is. But um, just in regards to, to that moderation piece and, and trying to keep your drinking under control, you know, once you remove the alcohol altogether, that really does go away and you feel so much better. Oh, yeah. it it And taking up so much brain space. Like, oh, I... So that's why I say like sobriety is a superpower. I just, I yes. feel smarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm just a better thinker and I'm a better doer. And I think a lot of people feel that too. Yeah. I think that's an important part to talk about too, for somebody who, you know, for loved ones trying to support somebody in recovery. When I've shared that part of it, you know, I had dinner with, with two close friends recently and I, I shared a little bit about that. Just like, you know, I just thought about drinking all the time. And they Mm -hmm. both were like, really? Like, what was that like? Like, I never, I never knew that. I can't imagine what that would feel like. And I think it's just an important part to talk about because you're in your own head. Like nobody else knows (laughs) what's happening in there. Um, And when you share that piece of it, I think it really helps people who, who don't struggle. I think it helps them understand a little bit better, um, you know, how much energy the, you know, addiction and compulsion can, can take over. Yeah, it really can. Well, how, how has your life changed since you've been alcohol free these last nine months? (laughs) Oh man. Um, I, I mean, so many things have changed. I, you know, getting honest about my struggles and my sobriety have created improved relationships. My parents, my, my husband's parents, um, friends, you know, just so many, so many improvements there. Um, and I can truly say that I feel, I just feel like a better person. I feel like a better sister. I feel like a better wife. I feel like a, and, and so much better mom. Um, my relationship with my daughter, I mean, I, can say now that for the last nine months I've been fully, fully present with her and I cannot imagine a world in which I I wouldn't be present. You know, every, you know, she changes every single day. She does something new every day. And I just, I'm so thankful that I'm not missing it. Um, And then the other thing that I, I would say has changed is, you know, when you are drinking, I'm sure that you can, relate to this, you know, when you have those first one or two drinks, you know, you get that rush of endorphins, you feel really good. I would, you know, I clean the house. I would, you know, meal prep for the week. I would just have all of these like big goals and big ambitions, you know, one or two drinks in. like, I'm going to work out before the baby gets up every day this week, or I'm going to, you know, we're going to eat, you know, we're not going to eat carbs this week or just, you know, all of these random goals that I would have. And then, you know, you keep drinking and it deteriorates and all of those things go out the window. Um, and my husband actually said to me the other day, you know, he used to he used to talk about doing all these cool things, like all of these super mom type things. And, you know, it never happened. And now I'm starting to see it. You know, you're really starting to do it. And so I can say that I've committed to, you know, I've worked out at least twice a week for the last 17 or 18 weeks, which I cannot remember the last time I could honestly say that. 
Um, you know, and things are definitely not perfect. I have the most insane sweet tooth now. I want to eat ice cream every single day. So that's something that I'm working on, but, um, I'm sober and I, you know, I have a lot more clarity. Um, just like you said, you know, you feel smarter. Um, I feel stronger. Um, and I feel, I can say that I do feel proud of myself. Like not every single day, but you know, just generally speaking, I can look at myself in the mirror again. And I was not able to do that for a really long time. Fantastic. What are your plans for the future? Um, so I, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, I worked for the same restaurant group for a really long time. So I definitely, um, want to stay involved with them. It's the company that I'm, I'm passionate about, but the more involved that I've gotten in, you know, a thousand hours and talking to you and, um, you know, going to AA meetings, I, I really do want to get more involved in the recovery realm. I don't want to say industry, you know, I, I don't know that I would make it a full-time career, but it has been so helpful for me, you know, holding me accountable to my sobriety um, and talking to people who have struggled in the same way that I have has just made me feel so normal. Um, you know, I had dinner with somebody that I met through Instagram um, who was also sober recently. And I left that dinner feeling more like myself than I had felt in months just being able to sit down at a table with somebody who had gone through similar things as me and to be able to talk openly about it with someone who understands and has experienced it um, was, was honestly somewhat life-changing for me. Like that sounds pretty dramatic, but it really was. Um, so I just think, you know, as I continue in my sobriety journey and, you know, continue to learn about it. And I just want to get more involved. I want to share my story. I want to be support for anybody who needs support. Um, and, you know, I don't know exactly what the future holds, but I, that's definitely a big, a big focus of mine. Um, and just, you know, being there for my family because I have a lot of time to, to make up for. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're lucky you started so early with your daughter being so young. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very thankful for that. How can someone find you? Um, so, I mean, Instagram is definitely the best way to find me. I host every Monday on A Thousand Hours Dry Parents. Um, I host every Thursday on A Thousand Hour Dry Canada. Um, and every post that I put up there, I'll link um, my personal Instagram, which is just my last name, underscore Kristen. Um, so that's definitely the best way to find me. Um, and if you want to reach out to me on Instagram, I would happily share, you know, email, phone number, um, as I post on a thousand hours, you know, at this point in my journey, I, I would consider myself an open book. Um, I might not fully share every single detail on an Instagram story, but if you want to hear everything I experienced at this point, it's definitely something that I, I want to talk about. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast to talk about it. I think this is, thank you so much. Yeah, I think this is gonna help people, um, especially young mothers, um, and, and just anyone looking to change their relationship with alcohol. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. It was great. Yes, we will keep in touch. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point. I'm always here for you guys, so please feel free to reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com. Again, I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, see you next time. Thank you.